0: You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 447. I took a class recently to help me write stories in a way that people will keep reading them. In fiction writing or screenplays, if something happens to the main character and they give a, for lack of a better term, normal response, then the scene falls flat. The reader is intrigued when the response is unexpected. So let me give you an example. If you walk into the room and say good morning and I say good morning, that's normal but not very exciting. Uh, You walk into the room and say, good morning. And I say, what are you doing here? Well, now the reader's intrigued, right? So when we are walking dead in our trespasses and sins, the normal response is to continue in darkness. We live in the darkness and we act like we live in the darkness. But as Mercy Me sings about in their song, then Christ came, Christ's coming shifts the entire story on its axis. I want to keep reading to see what might just happen next, don't you? Uh, we're going to dive into an area of scripture that declares what happened when he appeared. It's an area of scripture I haven't explored lately, and it's so rich. But before we jump in, let's listen. Then Christ came, changing everything. He took my sin and shame away. Now Since the moment he walked in, then Christ came. Our song does a great job contrasting the darkness uh, where we were and moving into the light of Christ. And when Christ appeared on the scene, he changed everything. In fact, First John 3, 5 says, And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him just like our song sings about. So this is the verse that I used as my jumping off point to study God's word this week. And so what I did first was to read all of 1 John a couple of times over a few days. So this is taking the bite, uh, actually two bites, of reading in context and repetition, two of my favorites. And BITE, B-I-T-E, stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. And these are just the exercises I use to stay engaged with God's Word. Now, sometimes it's hard for me to force myself to read my focused area in context. Why is that? Well, for me, it's because I want to get to all the good stuff. You know, like, I mean, he's saying it out loud. It even reflects how flawed that thinking is. It's all good stuff. And so if you use the habit of reading in context as a way to stay engaged with more scripture than you are used to, you will begin to just transform the way you're thinking about how you read scripture and and how you engage with it. So say your inspiration verse comes from the top of a devotional book that you're reading through. So you just go and read that entire chapter that that verse lives in. Uh, Better yet, read the chapter before that chapter and the chapter after. If there is a theme in the devotion, you might see that the context in in the scripture that you're reading has more to say than the devotion author could sneak in with that verse and short commentary. Um, Sometimes as you read, a theme will bubble to the surface without any help from anyone else. You don't even need the devotional writer. And this is kind of what happened to me this week. So I read 1 John's five chapters one evening as I was getting ready for bed. Uh, The next day, I read 1 John's five chapters in the morning before I really kicked off my day. Uh, I talked to a friend who is teaching through 1 John in her Bible study at church. I asked her for her notes on 1 John chapter 3. Um, so I read over her notes on another day. There was some really good stuff in there. And so ultimately, I read First John again. And then on the third time, uh, I started to see two words jump out at me. There are several repetitive words and themes in this short book, but the word sin jumped out at me and the word abide jumped out at me. So I'm going to um, stop here for a minute and speak a word of encouragement to you. You can do this. You can make it a pattern of your life to engage with Scripture on a daily basis. Throw out your idea of a perfect quiet time, whatever that is. Uh, Every time we saw Jesus engaging with Scripture, by the way, it was with other people. His only quiet time recorded was when he went off to quiet places to pray, uh, so it's not to say that he didn't read scripture on his own and all that. I'm not trying to to uh, make some sort of doctrinal statement. But engagement with scripture was a corporate activity. Uh, so just drop any idea that every time you read it, you're going to have some grand revelation and that there is a specific way that you have to read it I just want you to read it. So I do want you to handle it with care and consideration. Uh, Don't just check it off your list. God cares about your heart as you approach his word. But it's okay to pray before you start and ask God to begin to plant seeds of understanding that will bloom into flowers of revelation later. So at this point, I grabbed my illuminated scripture journal containing all three letters of John. I actually have the entire New Testament set, but you can get the single uh, scripture journal for uh, 1st through 3rd John uh, for less than $6. I'll go ahead and link to it in the show notes at michelleknizat.com forward slash 447. But what I like about these journals is the text is on the left, and then there's a blank page on the right for you to jot notes. In fact, I snapped a picture and put it on my Instagram last week uh, when I was working on this lesson. So if you go check out at Michelle Nizette on Instagram or um, on my Facebook page, you'll see a picture of that scripture journal with my notes and my highlights and all that. Uh, I grabbed it, and I grabbed two colors of highlighters. I actually like the Bible highlighters from Daily Grace Co. I'll link to those in the show notes, too, if you're interested. But they are kind of like a waxy finish instead of a bleed-through traditional highlighter, so I really like those. But anyway, uh, I went through and read all five chapters again, but this time I highlighted every instance of the word sin or any version of it. So sin, sinning, sinned, that kind of thing. Okay, and then I read it again, this time highlighting every instance of the word abide. Yes, that means I read it two more times. So each time I read it, I asked God to help it sink in some more. And when I read it looking for sin and looking for abide, uh, I gained a good deal of insight. Like I said, those themes that kind of bubble up. And then as you read it, because that's the lens that you're looking through, uh, you begin to gain additional understanding, again, without anybody helping you. So at this point in my process, I watched the Bible Project overview of the book. So sometimes I take this bite of reviewing an overview before I read the book, but on most occasions— I like to have read it a few times before I listen to what anyone else has to say about it. And the benefit of this is now when you watch the overview, you can say, well, I've read that. Oh, I see that. Or if they're talking about a character or a name or a person or a place or a theme, you may have already identified that. And then you begin to see um, you can then what, what they add to it is based on a foundation of something that you've already read. I really, really want you to step out and read the Bible for yourself without the help of other voices first. Every time you consult what someone else says about it first, or even simultaneously with your own reading of the text, you muddy the waters. Want to know how I know? Uh, Because I even struggle. I struggle jumping to a commentary too soon in the interaction process. It's um, a discipline that I have to continue to remind myself that I am not above, uh, that I need to go interact with the text by myself and just the text first. I mean, my question is, how can you let the text settle in when you add the noise of other voices? And so have you really left room for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what his inspired word is saying to you? Avoiding these pitfalls can be solved by reading the text for yourself before consulting outside resources. and then reading repetitively helps too. Now don't again, don't get into that checkoff list. Read repetitively in a way that says, okay, let more of it sink in, let more of it sink in. All right. Even as I was preparing for today's episode, I opened my scripture journal and I realized that I missed an instance of a bite that I didn't highlight. And guess what? Nobody took off any points. Uh, I'm being a little cheeky because I think we create all sorts of mental rules and boundaries for Bible reading and study and interaction that keeps us and separates us from the life-giving text itself. Even my bites are just helpful habits, not rules. You can Adjust them. You can come up with your own. I, I, I've often said, I don't come up with these. I curate them. I just talk to people who read and study and interact with their Bible, and I ask them what their favorite habits are, and then I add them to my list, and I try them too. All right, so now I was ready to settle into the section of this little book that I wanted to really meditate on this week, but the section that I wanted to really focus in on was in 1 John 2, 28, through 310. And this is just a reminder that the Bible may have a chapter in the middle of a thought like a chapter, you know, because and uh, if you even look in your Bible, that section children of God is is what it's titled in the ESV starts in 228 through 310. And so again, it doesn't have to meet a particular um, it, uh, it it can cross over chapters is what I'm trying to say. All right, so first John 2:28 says, "And now little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him." And then chapter 3 continues. also practices lawlessness sin is lawlessness you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin so that's our feature verse then Christ came and my sin was taken away so uh, I do want to talk about the result for us on the other side of that feature verse so let's keep reading in verse 6 "'No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. "'No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. "'Little children, let no one deceive you. "'Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous.'" And then John's going to go in, into a section on loving um, his brother. So he, this is kind of like the precursor to the next big thought. Uh, he wants us to keep reading. <laughs> I hope you do. All right. So in this focus section of scripture, there are three abides and seven sinnings. And these are in direct contrast with each other. So if we take that bite of compare and contrast, uh, we could kind of make a column, uh, two columns. So let's start with abide. And the first abide in our focus section is in chapter two, verse 38, or 28, I'm sorry. It says, and now little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Again, I made two columns on the right-hand side of my scripture journal adjacent to this text, and I put abide on the left and sinning on the right. And under abide, based on this verse, this is what I noted, those who are abiding will have confidence at Christ's coming wait a minute, Michelle, Uh, I thought you just said, then Christ came, didn't Christ already come? Yes, and uh, what John is talking about here is Christ's second coming. Now, throughout scripture, we see a uh, once yet ongoing call. So for example, as followers of Christ, uh, we are called to surrender to him once and continually. We repent unto salvation and we live a life of repentance. We are positionally sanctified in Christ, yet we are progressively sanctified. So here in First John three, we see something John alluded to in his gospel. Uh, we connect our lives to the vine and we continue to stay connected. We abide. And this abiding leads to confidence. And so my next question was confidence of what? It's in the next verse, really, verse 29. If you know that he's righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So confidence that we practice righteousness. So when he appears, we can stand before him and we're like, I know I was, I practiced righteousness and uh, confidence that our nature is his nature because we are. Are saved by him. Um, I did a word study in my new favorite Bible study tool. It's called Logos. It's an online, uh, it's a Bible study software, and it is so powerful in all truthfulness. I purchased it one time. I didn't use it and I returned it within the 30-day trial period. But I really, now that I really have my bites firmly in place, I know how I want to use this tool and I do on a daily basis. Uh, Don't fret, I will still share free online tools that has been the hallmark of my teaching all along. But in Logos, there's a tool called the Bible Sense Lexicon. It gives you a semantic web, giving you a hierarchy of concepts related to the word you are studying and you um, you have to have at least the bronze package to have this feature but I'm gonna tell you what I learned and then when I followed this word for confidence through this bible sense lexicon so if you have logos great you can follow along if you don't you can just listen I'll tell you what I learned but I looked at the word confidence and it means boldness and you can see Uh, Just in the text, you don't even need a a lexicon to, to help you understand that it is contrasted with the idea of shrinking back. Uh, uh, So confidence versus shrinking back. But when I took the bite of doing a word study, I discovered that it is a trait of being willing to undertake activities that involve risk or danger, especially that involve being honest and straightforward in attitude and speech. And so we uh, are going to have the confidence that we took risks against the culture and stood in a truthful and righteous manner. Uh, That word confidence is rooted in courage which enables you to encounter danger or difficulty without giving up. And that comes from, and as you continue to follow the web, comes from a character of spirit and a character of habit. So emotions and actions that are rooted in your personal nature, a nature that is transformed in Christ. So this is not just not ashamed, all right, but boldly living the righteous life with courage because of the strength of our character, a strength of character that can only be found in our new life in him. Uh, I don't know if you heard it when I read it before, but it was later described on in our section of scripture as God's seed. We are now his children and descendants. And as our lives produce fruit from the seed of God within us, our fruit will look like his We ought to look like him. Our righteousness reflects his righteousness. So I added, practices righteousness under my abide list. I then added, doesn't keep on sinning to my abide list. Because 1 John 3, 6 says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. I also added, is righteous and acts it. Because that's a summary statement of this section as it relates to abiding. Now, in the sinning column, I put practices lawlessness. In 1 John 3, 4, it says everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now, what John is saying here is sin is sin. You can't justify it. It is outside of God's righteous ways. This word for lawlessness carries with it a sense of wickedness. And so um, sin is sin. And then comes our feature verse First John 3 5 you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. Uh, when Christ came, he came to take away sins, not give us a ticket to keep sinning. So this key idea is take away sin. He doesn't recategorize it. So back to what we just said before in First John 3, 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And in case you were wondering if some sins were okay to entertain, we run across verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning, The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That clears it up, don't you think? Uh, But John keeps repeating himself. So I'm thinking the readers of this book struggle with the same things we do. The temptation to sin and live a life of sin. Uh, I want to clear something up here. John is not saying we will never sin. Uh, because I know you're going to read this entire book in context, you will see in chapter one that he says in verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then in verse one of chapter two, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So because of these verses and others around this topic of sin and sinning, the contrast The contrast is clear. There is sin, and then there is making a practice of sinning. So you may tell a lie, but upon conviction of the Holy Spirit, you confess and receive forgiveness and cleansing from God. However, you know you are living in sin. If you know that you are living in sin, you continue to live a lie. Your life is characterized by lying. Scripture is harsh here, but clear. If that's you, you are not a child of God. Uh, even Jesus warned of this in Matthew chapter seven. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. So I want this warning to stand firm, but I also want to leave you with something that my daughter and I've been talking about all week. Uh, she has rightly discerned that many times we focus on what not to do that rather than what to do. She said it's easier to proactively work towards something rather than merely eliminating something else. In other words, don't focus on the not sinning as much as the abiding. When you focus on what not to do, You miss what God really has for you. When Christ came, he took away sins and destroys the work of the devil. There are deceivers out there trying to water down your faith walk. Be on guard and let the truth of scripture guard you and guide you. So what's next? Well, read 1 John in its entirety several times over several days and then focus your study efforts on 1 John 2:28 through 3:10. I focused on the contrast of abiding versus sinning, but there are many contrasts to explore further if you'd like. As you discover more, I'd love to hear about it. Really, uh, I read every email and I do my best to respond in a timely fashion. So email me at Michelle at Michelle dot com. Hop on Twitter or Instagram at Michelle Nizat. Uh, michelle L. Nizat is my public Facebook page and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at NewReleaseToday.com. And I would be honored if you followed the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website at michelleneezat.com, then I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes and all the scriptures I use and links to the resources I use in my personal study. My featured free resource for email subscribers this week is an archive of my interactive worksheets that I've created for various podcasts over the years. You can find them all in one place in the archive that I've created, and you will gain exclusive access to that archive when you subscribe to my email email list at Michelle So with that in mind, I want to thank any new subscribers who've subscribed lately, like Laura from Texas, Katie from Oregon, Karen from New Hampshire, and Sue from South Carolina. Welcome. Now don't forget you can listen to the podcast directly on the website through iTunes, Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, could you do that today by heading over to lovethepodcast.com dot forward slash more than a song? Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Christmas is coming. If you are new to the podcast, every year from Thanksgiving through Christmas, I use Christmas songs to point us to scripture. So next week, we will officially kick off the Christmas season, and I will be featuring What Child Is This by Shane and Shane to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? i made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 447. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.